Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, a longtime listener with a brand new prompt. But before we get into that, we're going to shill all the other stuff that we normally shill. So you can skip ahead or not. Actually, don't skip ahead because this is kind of important that you listen to this. Or do. Like, who am I? I'm not your dad. Uh, unless you're like my child in the future. Okay, I'm getting way off track here. Anyway, if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. Of course, if you want to follow us on social media, forget Twitter, we're on YouTube now. So go and subscribe, do all the YouTube things that you do that increases engagement and all that stuff. Or realistically, it's there for you as an alternative to listening on uh, other platforms. If you want to come and join us on Twitter for whatever reason, you can go ahead and follow us at Let's World Build. Or if you want to come and talk to us more directly, come and join our Discord where we can chat about, I don't know, Discordy things, world building things in general. If you have questions, if you want to share some things about your world, if you have questions or comments about the direction of the podcast in general, come to Discord, hang out with us. There's a link for that in the description. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous or you just want access to those sweet, sweet patron-only goodies, then by all means, go ahead and join our Patreon where you can support us and the podcast in perpetuity. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's go right ahead and dive into our prompt this week, which comes from Kyle, the Gnome Waiter, longtime listener now. And before we get into the prompt, I do have to start by saying we're altering the, the prompt slightly. This prompt originally had us exploring a previously established world. However, the team decided that we just kind of let the prompt settle into its own groove, basically, like stand on its own two legs because it's still a really interesting prompt uh, and we wanted it to kind of have some uniqueness to it and with all of that out the way let's get into that prompt right away the land of a thousand magic swords magic swords begin appearing in a world all having properties that don't fit with the world's pre-established laws of reality it's up to you on the rules of these swords, along with where they come from, how they get to this setting, and how the world reacts to them. The tenets. Number one, the blades are a limited resource. Number two, the swords vary in power. And number three, they typically have elements of slash are from high fantasy stories, but there can be exceptions as long as they're still magic related. So I'm assuming that means like no, you know, lightsabers or no techno blades, I'm guessing. But uh, again, thank you, Kyle, for the prompt. Kyle, the gnome waiter, a big thank you for that prompt. I hope you like what we're about to do with it, because I think this is an interesting one. Now, normally, this is where I would kick it over to Courtney or Daniel. But I actually want to cut in this time because I have a tenant that I think is really interesting and want to just toss it out there first. So my first tenant is the swords are sentient and share some kind of collective consciousness. Additionally, they're subtly manipulating their wielders to some unknown goal. So therein lies my first tenant. 
go ahead. <laughs> that was my tenant. <laughs> yeah, I was actually literally thinking about a similar yeah. one, but I ended up not going with that. I wrote literally the same thing down. The sword is sentient. <laughs> Daniel, get the fuck out of here. Uh, I don't believe you. Yeah. Well, all well, it says okay. is the swords are sentient. <laughs> okay, so so that is slightly different. Okay, hold on, hold on. Say that again, Daniel. What Daniel, what's your first tenant? <laughs> Mine just says the swords are sentient. So it's the wow, same that's thing. so weird. I'm building on top of your original tenant with my tenant, <laughs> which is uh, they they share a collective consciousness or hive mind, and they're subtly manipulating their wielders to some unknown goal. There, uh-huh. look, we did it. Nice. You got out your first tenant, Daniel. Great job. <laughs> Good teamwork, guys. Good I, like, <laughs> I like how what your tenant really is is, is the swords are sentient, comma, and they're dicks. <laughs> like, hey, hey. <laughs> Who said that? No one said that. They could be they could be trying to push their wielders to be better. That's what I'm applying. Yeah. So it's fair. I'm applying that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I specifically left that vague so they could be either yeah. an invading like psychic force or uh-huh. a kind of like beneficent like, hey, we go from realm to realm making worlds better. Uh-huh. You know, we just so happen to take the form of magic swords. That's all. Mm-hmm. They're friendship swords. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh man, you're stabbed with reason. <laughs> That's what happens. Your mind suddenly opens. You can you can see the world and empathize with people better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was mad about getting my arm chopped off until I got hit by the blade, and I realized I kind of deserved it. So you know, <laughs> the so the the idea of friendship swords kind of fits with my first tenet. Um, <laughs> Because mine is that the swords can trigger heightened states of power by way of He-Man style transformation sequences. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> I'm yes. surprised that Daniel didn't collude yeah. with you on this one. I that know. is genuinely surprising. Unless Daniel's like, nope, that was my second tenant. <laughs> to be clear, to be clear, I do hate He-Man. I love Skeletor. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Well, he has a transformation thing too in the movie. At He-Man least. is a giant himbo. Skeletor <laughs> yeah. is a badass, at least from the movie version. Right, no, no, no. I, I, so what I'm suggesting is you like the He-Man universe, right? Just not yes. He-Man the character, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what Courtney's saying is that like transformations a la the He-Man universe. Yeah. 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 No, I understand that. I'm just trying yeah. to make our listeners clear that I hate He-Man the character. <laughs> we get it, Daniel. He's trying to save his reputation. Yeah, exactly. That's right. He-Man's a big... I mean, also, they picked, like, the dumbest actor possible to play him in the yeah. movies. What? Which was fair. That makes Wait, sense. Dolph Lundgren? That makes sense. Yes. Dolph Lundgren has a fucking PhD in chemical science. What are you I, talking about? Hold on. Even if he does, he's a dummy in the movie. Hold on. I'm looking I'm looking this shit up right now. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. A degree in chemical engineering from the KTH Royal Look, Institute of Technology. You can have a PhD in chemical engineering. I don't care. You can still be a, a himbo. It doesn't make any difference at all. I've met many a himbo who had many different degrees in my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his his acting in that movie uh, was horrible. painful. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Okay. No, I'm not talking about like when you say a dumb actor, I'm not saying like maybe the performance is bad, but he himself is a smart man. That's all I'm he saying. He could be an idiot. Like, honestly, you know, I've met doctors who are morons, honestly. Yeah. They keep telling me to get sleep and eat food. Those people are idiots. Doctors to be, that is. (laughs) I see, Daniel. I see. (laughs) No, I've definitely met people with advanced degrees who are Mm -hmm. not uh, 
they just they just get too focused on their one area of expertise and ignore right. everything else. In it's life. specialized. It's specialized knowledge. Yeah, I, I understand. Trust me, I, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> yes, we're yes. this is this is a chaos podcast already. <laughs> like, dear God. All right, so Courtney, Courtney, can you yes. remind you? So we have transformations a la He Man. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I basically just wanted that like '80s cartoon style vibe of uh, okay. transformations. It's pretty awesome. Okay, now, now I don't think I actually have this as a tenant, but. I'm under the understanding that each of these swords have their own kind of rules like that are separate from one another. Did y'all have that as well? Cause I just realized I'm like, Oh, I kind of assumed that was a given. I think it was like, I think it says something. Oh, I read it was like different powers, but Mm -hmm. they all come from, or they might all come from the same place. Gotcha. Okay. I think it said something about like, cool. Because the original tenant wants them to be from another universe being added to a previous setting. And so I think it says it brings, they each bring their own rules to change the setting. So the way mm-hmm. I interpret that to be, because we're just talking about magic, is that the swords individually have their own powers that they introduce. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so we're on the same page then. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So I, I guess it's back to me with my second tenet then. Okay. This one's going to be kind of interesting, um, I think. So the world before the swords came had no gods no major religions, no deities whatsoever. So they might have like belief systems or something like that. But before the swords came, that is what the world was. I was thinking, I'm like, man, you know, it's ever present in like every fantasy story ever deities, religions, and gods and stuff like that. And I'm like, let's try and do something that has less of that. Are they, um, are they perhaps highly rational? So like, instead of um, their belief systems relying on, you know, folklore and the mm-hmm. stuff that religion kind of comes out of. Could it be that they really started with non-irrational beliefs? And that's why it could be said they don't have religion. I was kind of thinking, like, how empirical are they, you know? like Yeah, that's what it makes you think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I, I really, literally, like, didn't think about it very much beyond <laughs> that. Because I'm like, I just want to start here. And then I want to hear what Daniel and Courtney have to say. Because I know uh-huh. that this is going to, especially from you, Daniel, I'm like, this is going to evoke a response. And I'm very interested <laughs> to hear. I mean, I like it conceptually because it means that they must have evolved very differently to not look to the sky and and make up stories, right? So mm. then that suggests to me thematically that the arrival of these swords um, is almost like the arrival of belief in things that are irrational or supernatural, you know? I suppose that's really true because mm. they do break the rules of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's accurate, yeah. Plus, I mean, we we don't really have a timeline for what the world that has been changed is. So it's like, we could be in a more modern day setting and all of a sudden we have like magic swords, but let's, let's maybe put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. It does make me wonder like how these people, if they're human evolves or if there are some other species that we can make up. Mm. Cause I feel like it's, it's just so like ingrained in human thought to kind of create these things. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting because it's so ingrained in our society that like we literally can't imagine humans without faith, without like, religion as part of our core being i just think that's a really interesting kind of take on like how we've evolved as people it's almost like we just make up things to explain stuff when we don't understand them and Mm -hmm. it just kind of gets carried on over time that's never happened in the history of humanity (laughs) before you take that back 
<laughs> if we, you know, for social or language based animals, like I think the way we, like you're saying, the way we survive is by making up stories to explain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like some people could argue perhaps that even science is a story that explains things. I disagree with that, but it's possible. <laughs> um, and then, then but, mm-hmm. but what it suggests, at least for our setting too, is that perhaps, you know, the reason why these swords try to influence their wearers is they're telling the the wield where the wielder um a story about themselves you mm-hmm. know that that's the way of manipulating them and mm-hmm. by telling them a story about themselves you know they're manipulating the person's perception on reality whereas there were no stories in the world before so i like that i think mm-hmm. that would be really cool thematically that they're in a way introducing stories to the world they each have a story to right tell. they're like gaslighting swords <laughs> <laughs> well well hold on now Remember that these swords don't necessarily have to be evil. Oh, I know. I know. Uh-huh. Yeah. I see them as tricksters almost, it sounds like. Interesting. That's that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Or I guess they could just see like storytelling as a the higher form of thinking that they're trying to grant these people. Yeah. I was yeah. like, this is the truth that they're imparting, which it's almost mm-hmm. like um, the book, well, the things we carry, I think it is. It's so, so it's like, I guess their argument is like, we're telling you something that's false, but inside of it, there is a truth, which is the, uh, the nature yeah. of all stories. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So maybe the trickster part of them is that they, they seem to be tricksters because they're, they're always fabricating things, but really mm-hmm. they might be talking about having courage or they might be talking about, right. you know, like having uh, mercy. And that's really what the story is about that they tell. Yeah, And then what's interesting about that as well, Daniel, uh, is if this, the species that exists, they're used to a world with less narrative or less religiosity that like what the stories that the swords are telling them might seem grander, might seem more, uh, out there because they're not used to it. Like culturally, they're not used to this type of, you know, like narrative that's being created by the sword effectively. Right. Does that make sense to y'all? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think that there's something there. There's something interesting about that, mm-hmm. especially because like we're doing that thing that writers do where it's like when you get meta, it's always like, oh, we're talking about like storytellers or we're talking about writers and stuff like that. You know, that kind of like postmodernist kind of nonsense that people Naval criticize gazing. rightfully. So what's that? <laughs> Naval gazing. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a little bit, but how do you, how do you talk about like, the power of narrative and the power of storytelling without being a little bit navel gate, because who writes the stories about storytelling, the storytellers, you know, like, so it's like, it's hard to not, it's, it's impossible to have like a scientist be like, this is the power of narrative. You know, like I think there, I mean, there's an anthropological angle to this too. So it's like, we can get away with that and say like, sure. It's not just writers talking about this, right? Like the anthropology, anthropology, anthropologist the anthropologist <laughs> is going to argue the same thing right that, that you know like these ancient peoples saw storms that destroyed their settlements and right. attributed it to this this or that phenomena because they don't understand why they occur or when they occur that kind of thing you know mm-hmm. I, I feel like if I were to go in the direction that I was going to go and we derail the podcast so I'm gonna shut <laughs> up and we're gonna keep it moving so all right, we've got we've got scald swords. We've got uh, oh, actually, wait, no, the the people who carry them would be scalds, wouldn't they? They're like the warrior poets or the warrior like storytellers and stuff like that. That's a scald, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess they could like yeah, give voice to the to what the swords are telling the them stories. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Hold on. 
are the swords telling like the tale of the creation of the universe or something like that but it's like so incomprehensible that like you have to piece it all together or something like that through the different swords and stuff i don't know i'm just tossing stuff out there because like that sounds kind of interesting to me that there is some grand truth that's being spoken through the narrative that's created by the swords Mm -hmm. i could see like a sword speaking to something like creation but i think it's interesting if they each have a different story to tell and some of those stories Mm -hmm. might be very small scale i mean i could see a story being you know, I was the sword of a violent murderer that went around indiscriminately killing people. And I'm going to give you this power, but I'm going to haunt you by the story to make right. you realize that this is an evil thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then what happens if you pull out slightly, then all of the swords are working together to create a grander narrative, you know, like something that yeah. works together. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's in my tenant. Like the tenant is they're working towards a collective. Oh, world. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, there's some potential there as well, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. All right. So Courtney, mm-hmm. I think you're up for the second tenant. Please tell right. me what Hasbro and or Mattel related <laughs> tenant you have here. I think Daniel's technically next, but I can go as well. Oh no, Daniel just went, didn't he? No, I haven't, but it's fine. Oh, you didn't? We didn't even get to your second tenant. No, yet. we like, we went back <laughs> oh, to yours. Yeah. Again, again, chaos podcast today. I swear to God. Okay. Sorry, Daniel. Daniel, go ahead. Um, so this probably supports what you were saying, but, um, the swords are all fragments of a still more powerful weapon. Ooh. Oh, that's fun. I like that. That is fun. Oh, so we can have like a transformer sword. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I-, I was thinking like a Voltron sword or actually right, yeah. there's a weapon in Elden Ring, which is just a bunch of swords that have been like glued <laughs> together. So like, maybe something like that as well. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, Elden Ring people will know what I'm talking about. You know, the one that you get at the castle in the south. You know what I'm talking about. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, that that's a fun one. I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that they're splintered off from one giant transformer weapon. That's dope. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I also feel like this is something that should probably come up a little bit later. Right. Yeah. When we figure out like what, what yeah. they're all really working towards and stuff. Exactly. I mean, going back to what you're saying, like it's, it would explain then why also they're, they have a larger story to tell collectively, right. you know, like you were suggesting, um, right. you know, whether that story is like something earth shattering or whether it just like, you know, maybe it imparts, and I don't want to get ahead of things, but maybe it like imparts the ability for people then to tell their own stories. I don't know. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe it's like the story of Ascension, And so they go from world to world, like trying to teach people how to ascend to a higher level of consciousness or something like that. Well, I mean, like how how they can tell their own stories. So in a sense, you can Mm -hmm. then create your own sword, so to speak, you know, like, right. So it's like, cause the world doesn't have stories essentially. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That that's a fucking amazingly cool piece of lore that you've just created, Daniel, that each sword is a previous world that has been created. So it's like, you're creating this armory of swords and each one of them represents a world and a story oh, from that world. Yeah. Mm, that is cool. cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus how do y'all feel about like the swords referring to themselves as like chapters or verses or something like that? So it's like they, they identify themselves as part of a collective story, but they are mere like portions of those sagas effectively. Ooh, right. I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is cool. All right, cool, cool, cool. I've been playing this game called Inkbound lately that um 
it's kind of a casual roguelite-ish thing. Um, but it takes place in a setting where there's like ink and pens and it's it's all based around like books and things like that. And I'm kind of picturing a similar thing happening here. Like, are they truly legit swords or are they sort mm. of like pen shaped in appearance? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. By the way, is Inkbound the one that's made by the people who did Monster Train? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Is the music equally good or is there like it's still early access? So it might um, be. It's okay. It didn't stand out to me very much. And I Ooh, honestly play now with the music muted and I just listen to other stuff on the side. So that's that's like a co op game too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I should get that and we should play together. I'm just saying, yeah. just tossing it out there. Yes, yeah, it's, I, it's very fun. Like there was a YouTube video I saw a while ago about that. And I'm like, oh, I want to get that when it eventually comes out. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about this off podcast. <laughs> we got a podcast. Courtney, we got a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it raises the question. Um, it's I know it says magical swords, but they don't necessarily have to be swords. Like literally. Axes. Oh, you're or... just saying like magical weapons? Yes. Yeah. Or they could look like swords, but be like. Maybe they can be, you know, filled with ink or something to write their mm. stories out. Oh, I mean, that's cool. But I also, I just <laughs> meant like they could be axes. They could be rapiers. Uh, they yeah, could yeah. be, um, yeah. perhaps some of them are missile weapons. I don't Actually, know. Actually, rapiers are swords. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, Daniel, you're way off base. <laughs> well, you're thinking about like, you know, long swords and classic <laughs> crap. I'm thinking it could be all kinds of weapons. Yeah. Yeah. All sorts of swords. Exactly. <laughs> could be like um, a battle axe and a sword. It could be like um, I don't know, like a dagger or something. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I, I, yes, I, I, I'm shitting on you, Daniel. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, but to, to keep with the prompt a little bit, I think that the majority of them should probably be swords, right? Sure. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm thinking you've got my you've got my brain all a quiver now, Daniel, because now I'm thinking like, okay, there's definitely one that's like it's like a spear that has one of the um, one of the things at the end of it that is like kind of floofy. Right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you could just dip that in ink and now all of a sudden it's a brush. Right. So you have like a a, like an ink brush spear or something like that, which sounds kind of cool. Mm hmm. And if we try to think of how these are constructed, like suppose, suppose for example, um, when these swords arrived to the world, they were hunks of metal that were attached to weapons. I could see them raining down like meteors or something and they were mm. turned into weapons. Yeah. And that's like their origin. That way, like you can allow, at least fictionally, you can allow these hunks or these blades or whatever they are to be embedded in things to then create interesting weapons. So that way they're not all just like literally long swords, you know? So you can have the sword in the stone because mm-hmm. it fell from literally the atmosphere into a stone and got wedged in there. Which would oh, be kind of- okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. So you're talking about like this one was like lodged into like a tree or like a, a mountain or a river or something like that, right? And they had to create a weapon out of them. So it's like that way they don't all they're not they don't come fully formed as master swords. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they had to be embedded uh, okay. as weapons and turned into swords. Or, or weapons of some mm. sort, depending on the blade shape or whatever. I could see it going both ways. Like, there were a bunch of swords that fell, but also some other materials that could then be turned into swords. Mm-hmm. How about this? How about the sentient weapons themselves ask their user, or ask the first person to use them to, like, transform them into the form that they think is, like, yeah, their true cool. expression, right? That would yeah. be cool, yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I have this vision of, like, 
you know, like in this particular enactment of the story, like these things coming down and then like you're saying yeah. someone discovers them, hears their story and they forge a weapon out of it according mm-hmm. to its design, you know, and now you have this unique weapon. Right. Yeah, I think that it makes sense if we have that an expression of the sentient thing itself, the sentient sword itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to make me in the image that you think is most perfect. And then most of them just so happens to be swords or weapons or something like mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. you could, you know, in, in some cases have something that is not a sword. Like an Arumi would be cool or like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be neat. Or like. An Arumi, Arumi is dope yeah. and still a sword. What are yeah. What are they? And Arumi is a whip sword. So it's like an incredibly long blade that is really thin and flimsy in the middle. So it's like a whip. And then the the point of it is actually weighted. Uh, yeah. I've, I've seen that. So, so historically, it could be like a singular blade. But there's also been known to have like they have like five blades on one. So it's mm-hmm. like this really wild like whip sword flail thing that's also like kind of looks like a fan. They're really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good call, Daniel. That's that's a really good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, so so we've got Daniels. Daniel went. Now we're on. Now we're on to Courtney, right? Yeah, that's sure. Right. Okay. <laughs> Dear God, my brain today, guys. All right, Courtney. What's your second tenant? What do you got for us? Uh, mine is that given the popularity and reputation of these swords slash other weapons, uh, knockoff swords have started appearing that are given pseudo powers through maybe enchantment (laughs) or science or whatever, like obviously not as powerful as the real (laughs) things. And they don't like have the, the stories attached to them probably. Mm. They're liars blades then. Mm. Yeah. 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 I love it. That's really fucking awesome. (laughs) Honestly, I was thinking of like kind of offshooting of my 80s cartoon thing, like thinking about like merchandising and shit and how people capitalize on like anything popular. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's so good. I like the hints too of that perhaps there's a scientific method for making these fake ones, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know what they really lack is an actual story behind them. It's a a fabrication, which in a way is, is Mm. in a sense, its own story. Right. So it's a question of like, what, 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 uh, is it a marketing story? Like the, because the power it seems from the real swords is that they contain genuine stories, a genuine insight. So these fake swords have a fabricated insight that, that, was created through some other means so that that's that's something to explore i think they're ai created swords oh yes thematically <laughs> <laughs> this is incredibly rich for exploration that's mm-hmm. all i'm saying it's like you know there's a genuine narrative and then there's the offshoot crass commercialization narrative that surrounds it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and especially if you're going with he-man like he-man like the show was created to sell the toys that came before them just like the transformers <laughs> were right so like that is also kind of interesting in its own right. I mean, yeah, that sounds dope. I love that. That's really cool. Now, the, these fake weapons, um, their power obviously isn't divine or magical like the other ones is. So how does their how do these fake weapons function? Um, I guess it depends on like what we decide to do with the world overall. Like yeah. if there's magic in this world, then I could see it being imbued with a magic that's just different than the new swords. But if it's more like advanced scientific, then maybe they have like computer chips and, and stuff inside of them that give them these powers. Mm. Or it could be some other thing that we haven't touched on. I've, I've kind of got an idea and you can tell me if this is too out of pocket or not. But part of me is kind of like, oh, 
maybe the maybe the justification for these swords is that you know because there was no religion before they came maybe the liar's blades are all like oh this is the sword of this it's the deity of that right so like they're they're creating false gods when they create these liar's blades and that's where they're saying the source of power comes from right yeah i could i could see that yeah that that's kind of where my brain is going where there's like a charlatan act that's involved Mm-hmm. Of course, there's also the idea that maybe there is something that the collective belief of this thing is also what gives it its power. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm inclined to lean towards like this place not having supernatural power prior to their arrival. Mm-hmm. So then I wonder, you know, like the power of these fake swords, like, is it a method or is it like maybe it's material based, like? There's stuff in this world that can be used that way. I don't know. Or I was thinking, um, since you talked about like weapons being forged, mm-hmm. what if it's like somebody took a an actual like weapon that fell from the sky oh. and like melted it down and mixed it with a ton of other stuff so that yeah, it's like, super yeah, yeah, dilute, yeah, yeah. but it still has 100%. that hint of hint yeah. of magic power, which could be interesting to like yes. follow that and see like it's probably yeah. trying to get back together with its other parts because it has. Right. Its consciousness and stuff and that sounds like a narrative it wants to tell anyway right like that Mm -hmm. sounds like oh that's the narrative that it's trying to tell this entire time something i love that because it's like it's a fake story that contains inside of it a hint of truth which is literally what the other stories are hell yeah (laughs) yeah that's dope love it absolutely Mm -hmm. fucking love it so that would it also underscores that this place doesn't really have magic they have methods and they have processes right they understand how to do smelting and building yeah. swords mm-hmm. through their own you know basic science but they realize that this can be this uh unknown element can be added to add a little bit of you know specialness spiced <laughs> spiced yeah a little bit of himboism that's what they, that's what they <laughs> worship they worship himboism Brittany. it just turns you into a himbo when you yeah. wield the sword yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm very confused by this concept i i <laughs> How do you worship himboism? So the, I, I can get us there. I can get us there. Here's how. Let me just crack. My, I don't think I want you here. to get us there. Let's crack my knuckles here. How do they worship himboism? Well, you see, in this Daniel, world, please. they're they're science focused. They're rational, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't believe in stories. They're like uh, what's his name? Is it Plato? Before he cast the poets out, right? So, so I think it's Plato, right? So, so that, that's a very narcissistic view of the world. Because it, it makes you think that you can control the world by understanding its fundamental essence, which assumes there is such a thing. They're very reductive in their thinking, right? And, and this inward-looking view, being narcissistic, uh, leads to an obsession with physicality and materialism and the body and the self, which ultimately leads oh. to himboism, right? <laughs> you can't, it's, a va- it's a vanity unto itself to not really look inward spiritually to your inner self and beauty. So that's why this culture is so hypocritic. That's why there are a bunch of glistening he-mans. That's all of them. All of them. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm suddenly back in when I heard glistening <laughs> he-mans. That's it. I was com- <laughs> I was completely out, and then you said glistening, and my ears perked up a little bit. I'm like, go on. They're all constantly working out and getting ripped. Every fucking one of them, male, female, everything in between, right? And so, because of their himboism beliefs, and these stories made them understand that there is more to life than lifting iron, right? Wait a minute. That's but that's not accurate, though. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> it is accurate. 
No, life is not more and more than just lifting iron. <laughs> From their about? perspective. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's just simply not. That is the universal truth in the world. Lifting iron is the true church. <laughs> for their, yeah, for their world. Exactly. And these swords are telling them, look, you guys could fucking for five minutes stop lifting iron. And I don't know, like write some poem down. You dumb there, was, there was something in all of that that I actually really enjoyed. Besides the glistening himbos. I mean, yeah. so one thing that I really thought was interesting is this idea that when we're talking about like who rules this world the idea that like leadership comes from again growing classical maybe the the rulers of this world are effectively like philosopher kings right because they're the ones who are like we're objective there's a little bit of narcissism involved in there as well like there's no divine right to rule in this world. So the idea of a philosopher king kind of makes sense in that way, right? Can their philosophy be very simple, though? Like Conan the Barbarian-esque? Like, they don't think much beyond the, the <laughs> basics of material reality. Here's where we can know? add some, like, gradation to this, Daniel, in that we can just say there is a spectrum of philosopher kings out there Yes, you've definitely got himbo factions in there, but maybe we've got some that are a little bit more introspective, some that are a little bit more uh, clear in their thinking, right? So they're not just like the only true pursuit of perfection is through the self. And by that, I mean getting fucking real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, what I mean is um, overall, to be more serious, is that they overall seem to have a materialistic view of the world. And I say, when I say materialistic, I don't mean in an economical sense. I mean, in in a term of like philosophically material, like they don't care about the spiritual or the, the um, what's the, what's the other word for it? The platonic, like the, the, this, this ideal that exists outside of the physical Mm -hmm. world. And that's a very rational view of the world. So the extreme might be total narcissist he-mans, right? And then the more nuanced Mm -hmm. view might be the chemists or the, smelters who understand how to actually work with certain physical laws right mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm down with this i i i'm i'm here for you daniel i support you fully yeah <laughs> as long as we get a spectrum and we're not all just talking about like you know mr mr universe yeah okay hold on i'm back in again again beef <laughs> queen <laughs> Oh, maybe it is a matriarchal society and it's all beef queens. Oh, it's all beef queens. (laughs) This is, I've been pouring one out for our old host who's no longer with us, beef queen. Yeah, no, he's he's with us. He's just not on the podcast, that's all. (laughs) Well, you know. (laughs) Well, okay. Have we ever explained beef queens? Because if we just started throwing that out there, I don't think we've ever talked about beef queens before. This was a thing that Chris and I, like, we were deep into. (laughs) (laughs) It was for one of my games, and they just decided to play martial characters who were ladies, and they just did this thing where it's like, we're beef queens together. We're just like big, beefy ladies yes. who are warriors together. Yes. And, that, and that's that's basically it, but I just love, like, we've used that term, and that's like four, year, four years old at this point, yes. at least? Yeah, yeah. at least, yeah. Mm-hmm. The symbol is like, you know, and what is it, which movie is it, where it's like the two um, arms, and they, they're clasping oh, hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so uh, shout out to Chris. We love you, buddy. Hope you're listening. Mm -hmm. Miss you terribly. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, anyway. So, okay. I think it's time for the recap of the tenets. We've gone through them. We've still got to get through the twist and the reconciliation as well, even though we're having tons of fun in this world. Let's Mm -hmm. go ahead and rewind just a little bit. I surprisingly went first, and my first tenet was the swords are sentient, 
and share some collective consciousness. They're also manipulating their wielders to some unknown goal. And uh, I, again, we've definitely worked that through pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. Daniel, I believe that you had a very similar first tenet. So go ahead. It's literally the same thing. That's hard to yeah, send you. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah we we basically had the same first tenet but that's fine Mm -hmm. so courtney why don't you hit us with your first tenet mine was that uh the swords can trigger heightened states of power through he-man style transformation sequences which we haven't really gone into what those no i agree yeah is it the opposite of like since they're already like himbos and beef queens so they turn into like nerds yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I don't really like the idea that they lose muscle mass so much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they you know, become more sophisticated. They retain the same body type, but yeah, they get a pair of glasses. Yeah, they get more sophisticated. I love how Courtney is determined to pull it into like an 80s like cartoon, okay. <laughs> essentially. So hold on, we're missing a big uh, potential here, which is... Okay, yes, you have the He-Mans of the world who transform. You know who else transforms? There is the one named Sailor Moon. So we could have, like, magical girl transformations involved just Uh with, like, the rippling muscle that we really wanted this whole time. Like a a roided-out Sailor Moon, you know, like. Yeah. So, (laughs) so, like, I think that that would actually be genuinely fun. Like, just, like, it's an aesthetic transformation, but it also comes with, you know, like. And also... Also, I think that in terms of transformations, there should be some aesthetic or aesthetic related thing that happens like, oh, this is the tail of this. And then that should be reflected in how they are transformed. In yeah, way, right? I was going to say it should definitely yeah. like reflect the story that is being told through them, mm-hmm. whether it's like a character from that story or just like the the vibe. Absolutely. It's got to have the 80s look, too. Like, so, for example, Courtney, if you had, like, you know, the story of Mercy or whatever, and, you know, originally the person was yeah, a beefcake, right? You know, mm-hmm. not hugely, be- not, like, absurd beefcake, but beefcake, because that's just the average, <laughs> right. right? So, and they were, like, I don't know, maybe they were, like, someone who didn't care to, to heal people or whatever, and they're just learning Mercy. They take a story on, they're, like, this roided-out super nun, right? <laughs> it's just glowing with white energy and has wings and a habit and everything. Thing, this white habit and then she's just like ripped nun like isn't there some netflix thing okay. with nuns riding okay. motorcycles something like that you know what i mean <laughs> where are the motorcycles okay all right there's a show i saw it on um no on peacock yeah that, i, that I saw the same ad i forget yeah. what it's called but it looks oh, it oh, really weird about. yeah, yeah. it does look like assassin strange. nun yeah. yeah like basically yes. you know. okay yeah. um by the way i just want to go to back to beef queens really quick I think the more contemporary term that people might be familiar with is muscle mommy, you know? So like that's, that's also another one. Uh, Think of like lean beef Patty or think of like um, Marissa from street fighter six who I fucking love. I love everything about Marissa. You should look at her and see what she looks like. She's just, I I just love her as a character in general. I like beef queens more because it's less sexual. Nope. I, I agree. I agree. I think that we have the better term in beef queens, but yeah. I'm saying that the more familiar term to people might be muscle mommy. So True. just tossing it. I out. feel like our branding could be, um, you could have a post on Reddit. It could be just safe for work. Right. Whereas like muscle mommy isn't. Uh, it Wait, why is muscle mommy not safe for work? It's like, uh, it something about the two words. Yeah. Yeah. Together. It's kind of milky. 
That's a personal thing, Daniel. Anything like being yeah, it's too sexual. Uh, It's like dummy mommy. You know? uh, yeah, yeah. Although yeah. beef queen, I don't really know. I mean, I'm I'm unnerved, right? Like when I see it, I'm unnerved. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, well, there's like fast food restaurants that have queen in the name, and beef really just means Burger King. So I can get somewhere else mm. with that, you know. Oh, Daniel, this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so we're happy with the kind of the the retconning of the transformations a little bit, correct? Like we're oh, happier yeah. about that. All right, yeah, I cool. think it, I think it totally works. All right, so so second tenets. My first one was before the swords came, there were no gods, there were no major religions, nothing like that, right? And again, I'm happy with what we've done thus far. Uh, I also feel as though that, yeah, we've, we've definitely expanded this. I, I did not expect us to go with like, you know, muscle Magoo over here, but (laughs) frankly, I, I accept our beefy overlords now. So yeah, I, I, I actually, I think that's a really fun thing. Although I think that there's obviously some problematic elements that you can get in there in terms of like body shaming and body positivity and stuff like that. However, no. For what we've got right now, I think it's fun enough that we don't have to think about those elements right now. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? all it's all about the beef queens. It's fine. <laughs> and yeah. we, I mean, we also said that the while that's the fun expression of it, that this is a materialistic view of the world. And so, right. you know, you can have people of whatever body type, but the idea is that they have a pragmatic sense of existence. Like they aren't interested in the spiritual. And that's why, you know, so that's why the body tends to be more important to them. Mm-hmm. Right. As a materialist myself, like I agree <laughs> with these people. <laughs> I, I can hear you pushing up your non-existent glasses from here, Danny. Like, <laughs> like you're 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 like real close to just um actuallying me. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to safeguard us against unnecessary no, I criticism. <laughs> I know, I know, Daniel. I know. Also, he has been he has been wearing glasses lately. Sometimes. What? Yeah, I did. What? Yeah. What? Did- what happened? Okay, you know we're gonna have to save this for off podcast because this is just wilding out. He just wants to look smarter. Really, that's it. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I do have a false pair of glasses, but the other ones are helpful. Mm. <laughs> it turns out that my clients pay me fifteen percent more when I wear glasses. It's they- true. Well, it's you know you're not wrong because <laughs> like if if you if you look younger than what they expect, they won't take you as seriously. So you've got to make yourself look older. Mm. Wait, did glasses make you look older? It does, yeah. Huh. Oh, to be fair, you have a very young face in general. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. You're the oldest amongst us, and you yes. definitely look the youngest. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I borrowed from Courtney's blood supply. That's why <laughs> she mails me no, a bit look, every now and then. Talk about adrenochrome on the podcast. You're gonna get us like we're gonna get on a cue list, and that's not I didn't where say we they were be. from embryos. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying they aren't, but I didn't say they were. Well, Allegedly, that's not where adrenochrome yeah. is from. Adrenochrome comes from harvesting of live children who are in pain. So First of all, get your cue. Well, that's Courtney's straight, other okay? batch, though. Yeah, that's Courtney's other batch. That's my she personal sell that. Yeah, 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 she doesn't sell yeah. that. I've asked her, and she's like, "Fuck you." Uh, Courtney, what was your second tenant again? Did we go through that already, or no? It was. Uh, we have not yet. Uh, that was that because of the popularity of these weapons. Um, knockoff swords have started to appear yeah. that have minor powers, basically, and we established that it was probably from like taking a a sword that did actually fall one of these magic swords and like diluting smelting it it down with a bunch of other metal and yeah okay cool as as long as we're there (laughs) daniel did we skip your second tenant i'm pretty sure we did right this is fine we can go to that one at the end well we're there now what do you got for us 
Well, I, I did want it. So we're, we, I think what we might want to do is make them the subject of our story, the, the liar swords. Yeah. We've done anything with them. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah. We can definitely do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but my second one was that the swords are all fragments of a larger weapon, which right. contributes to the idea that the stories are conducted, you know? Yeah. No, this, this works. Mm-hmm. This is all really fucking cool. Love this so far. All right. So we're good recap over now we got to roll for the twist and see how that works and our twist is roll another genre and combine it okay hmm. so we've got a we've got a new genre uh we're, we're pretty staunchly in the fantasy world so let's see what happens when we add another genre and our new genre is golden age superheroes Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, that, that is thematically so goddamn appropriate. Like, <laughs> yeah. From yeah. the transformations to mm-hmm. like the very stories that they're trying to tell. Like, yeah, I think that's going to be pretty mm-hmm. easy to do that. So I suppose what we want to think about then is when we're thinking about Golden Age superheroes, right? How do we want to express that in the current world that we've created thus far? Well, let's talk about what Golden Age superheroes mean. Sure. So golden age superheroes are probably right around the age of like the 1930s, uh, for example. So the very first caped superhero would be someone like Superman, right? Everyone knows Superman or you should probably know Superman, even if you're not American, like he's, he's everywhere. Right. But they could also include, you know, old school Batman. You could even do like golden age, Captain America. So golden age is when, the comics were at their most popular at their most printed and the superheroes of that time were usually like very black and white morality, very much like big, bold, colorful. And they they didn't really have to worry about, you know, the morals of say fighting in a war, for example. Right now, what we can also do, even though this is more like pulpy direction, You could also say that a lot of golden age superheroes might be someone like the phantom or the shadow who are more pulp heroes and stuff like that. Uh, Which I actually think looking at this, I don't think we have that genre in here, but yeah, why not? Fuck it. We can, we can go with uh, pulp heroes as well, if that's the case. So yeah, typically elements of golden age superheroes would also include like, Hey, you have a secret identity. Hey, you have a costume that you wear, right? So, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm going to stop for now. But we, we've got a lot to work with. I'm wondering, because I have a tab open in my browser, searching for Marissa from Street Rider 6 to see what mm-hmm. you were talking about before. Uh, and that got me thinking, like, what if we do turn this into like a, a fighting game of sorts or like a fighting championship where we have all of these uh, heroes who are fighting for like glory and power and stuff just because of the nature of this world and how much they value like strength and um, physicality in general and material stuff like Daniel has been talking about. And so they, maybe the story is about like these heroes getting together and competing, but also probably telling stories as well, which the world hasn't really seen before. So professional wrestling is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yes, it could be. Uh, You know, I'm fully supportive of this concept. Daniel, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Well, I'm not sure how professional wrestling will work with pointed weapons, but um, <laughs> I, I do I do think the idea of a, a contest can make sense. Um, it also makes me think about the liar swords because 
And and then the two tenets we have, one where the swords are fragments of something and that the stories are fragments of something. Because I can imagine, you know, like they have an agenda to put themselves together, right? But mm-hmm. the liar sword was a sword melted down and then used to make a bunch of mm-hmm. fake swords. Perhaps then, you know, in the course of this combat, you've got someone, a mm-hmm. villain perhaps, putting the swords together. And then mm-hmm. I can see that being inverted towards the end where the more they get put together, the more the story is actually revealed as a whole mm. too, inadvertently. And so you could end up over the course of this competition, regardless of whether you're following like the good competitors or the villain, but whatever's happening, like slowly the story is getting put together too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I love what you're saying about that. Now, what I, what I'm thinking is the unconscious thing that's going on that I was talking about in one of my previous tenets, they're all being drawn to a singular location, mm-hmm. right? Ooh. So that way, right. You're getting conflicts on the way there oh, that, like that can be kind of like fighting game ish, right? Highlander esque like, too. Exactly. exactly yeah. yeah. So they're all being drawn to a central location that will inevitably put them into conflict with one another. But it also allows for like an exclamation point to happen at the end of the story when all of these things come together, mm-hmm. when all of the elements come together. Yeah, I'm also envisioning that like each strike of the blade, especially when like a sword hits another sword, like something about the stories become interconnected. Oh, that's so fucking cool, Courtney. <laughs> oh my God, that's so fucking awesome. Oh, like the physical contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when swords clash or when swords yeah. come mm-hmm. together, they reveal something new about both of the stories. Oh, and they have that insight when they're fighting too because yeah. they're, they're yeah, psychically exactly. connecting the stories. Oh yep. my God, that's so fucking yeah. awesome. Which makes yeah. the battle difficult because if suddenly it reveals something about your opponent, you yeah. might impart empathy to each other and then the course of the battle is different. You just like start hugging it out instead. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yes. But, but at the same time, like you're revealing new powers of your sword as you're fighting. Like, so mm-hmm. all of a sudden your, your opponent is able to do something that was previously unestablished because the clash of the swords happened and you are as well, obviously, but like, yeah, that's such a cool fucking concept that like, as the stories come together, new revelations allow for like powers to change and like alter and, you know, improve. Like that's such a cool concept. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. That's all I want. That. <laughs> I want all of that. All up in me. That's dope. I love that. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, well, so, okay. Where does the superhero thing come in? Like, it's just the, like, oh, yeah, I was, I was basically seeing like the, the fighters in this as superheroes, but maybe it's also like before this sort of Congress of fighters, uh, mm. maybe in their respective areas, they've been like, I don't know, using, using something about the stories to like, do heroic acts in their own regions. We well, usually need a villain to spur yeah. heroic acts to happen, right? So mm-hmm. I can see this villain who is a supervillain now with the false swords. The fact that they're A, collecting other swords and oh, B, yeah. probably doing terrible things, you've got to have now the go. heroes step up. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe the villain is like the blacksmith who smelted it oh, down in the first place. Yes. Maybe they're the only one who knows yes. how to do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden you have like a, like a Nazgul situation where you have like mm-hmm. nine false riders with false swords and stuff yeah. like head hunting yeah. for people with actual swords and stuff yeah. like that. 
Yeah. 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 That, uh, I mean, that, that works remarkably well. Yeah. hundred percent. The idea of it being a blacksmith is cool because that represents the whole process of doing things mm -hmm. without stories. Yeah. Like you're blindly melting things down and merging them together mm -hmm. as opposed to understanding what it means, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he just grabbed some random sword that he found on the ground and decided to like split it up and, mm -hmm. and now is maybe on the hunt for more to collect and do the same well, thing. Let's say that you're walking around and you're like in the woods and all of a sudden you see like a magical glowing sword and you're like, oh shit, that's a magical glowing sword. You pick it up and it starts talking to you and you're like, oh fuck this, this thing's evil and possessed. <laughs> like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> so being a blacksmith, what do you do? You smash that shit to pieces, right? To try and drive out the consciousness that is trying mm -hmm. to talk to you and influence you, right? Yeah. And so obviously you're not going to let good steel go to waste, especially magic steel, right? So you melt it down and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, that makes sense to me. Yeah, you got more powerful. You got four weapons now that are slightly <laughs> more powerful. You know, it's very industrial. Exactly, exactly. And now, it, you know, that process has happened multiple times at this point. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you've got a bunch of minions and they've all got like false swords. They're businessmen, basically. They're like business majors. They're like, uh, I don't care about the stories. I don't read. Let me just melt this down and sell a bunch of them. Oh God, that you have no idea how deeply that hurts. God damn. Um, okay. So we have inadvertently been working towards a main storyline quest this whole goddamn time, right? And I feel like we've done a really good job creating the main storyline quest, which is, Hey, we've got to put a stop to this blacksmith who is, you know, creating these fake and false liars blades. And then in the process of this happening, the main narrative is being formed as the blades come closer and closer together. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. He doesn't realize that the, the doing of his evil deeds, in fact, leads to his own destruction because the story is getting revealed slowly. Yeah. Mm. So what happens when the liar's blades clash with a sword that has like real power in it or a full mm -hmm. narrative in it? Did the connection still happen or like what, what's going on there? I think so. Yeah, I think it does, but maybe it's like confusing or muddled in some way, like because you aren't getting the full story from the mm. liar's blade. Oh, yeah. Okay, that, it's that's part good. of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, maybe that's why they're particularly effective against, like, people who wield real blades, because then it's like, you know, like, normally when you clash, there's clarity, right? Like, there's a narrative that gets mm -hmm. created, but this time it's like you're getting, like, fractions of fragments, and mm -hmm. it's, like, really confusing, yeah. and and so rather than being, like, clarifying in battle, it's like, oh, no, they, they it feels as though they have a special advantage against the people who wield the real blades. I can even see the these writers that possess the fake blades when they're fighting, like it's just cacophony, you know, it's a broken poem oh, because yeah. it's like, you can see that expressed in the setting superhero, like with, you know, there's actual sound that's just right. incomprehensible because it's a broken story. Right. I don't know why, but I'm also reminded of like, there is an element out there that is extremely chaotic, but it is like purposeful, you know, like, so it's not as though these things just represent chaos, right? Like that's different. Because something that sounds like has like a Captain Beefheart album, right? Like it's deliberate in how bad it sounds. It's deliberate in how like cacophonous it sounds, but there's still like artistry towards it. But these blades, the liar's blades are something else entirely where it's like, it's chaos that also hurts. That is distracting. That's painful. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a shittily put together poem. Cause you removed half the stanzas. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's, yeah. Okay, imagine reading a poem, but you're only reading one of every four uh-huh. words, and that's, that's where the blades are, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's good. I like that. Like that's that. fun as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and obviously, because if we're evoking golden age superheroes, then we get to say, like, there's black and white morality, like, there's strictly good and strictly bad, right? I would also like to evoke, like, 1930s Superman, where we're fighting corrupt landlords, and we're fighting, like, corrupt government institutions as well, you know, cause Superman back then was pretty fucking socialist. I don't know if y'all know this, he's pretty overtly socialist in some cases before like Wortham and stuff came in. Anyway, I'm not going to give you a history of comic books guys. So yeah. Is there an element <laughs> of the main storyline that we need to evoke or do we have just like a really cool story already? The one thing too, that we haven't really touched on is like what exactly these blades come from in the first place because daniel you had talked about like they're Mm. all part of a much larger weapon and like do we need to figure out what that weapon was used for or where it's from sure well i mean the suggestion that i had made previously is that each sword represents a story from each individual world that they've come from and that to me i think makes sense but then there is the origin point right so there's Mm -hmm. a world where the world blade came from originally and then they've just been collecting stories as they've gone from you know realm to realm yeah and i don't know what the actual completed weapon looks like Mm -hmm. or what it actually is i mean i i think part of it too is perhaps like i think i suggested perhaps the the power is the ability to create more power meaning more stories Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in, in a song or a story that goes on forever, that's always a really cool thing. You know, the idea that you're going to be able to keep this tale alive, this story alive, it's like literally the story of creation as it iterates upon itself over and over again, right? That's kind of cool. Plus, I think that there's also something kind of fun about like not knowing what the final sword looks like or like kind of does in yeah. some ways, yeah. you know? There's some value to that as well. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how it would shake out because you, know, you got like a bunch of villains pursuing the other swords, t- taking out heroes and merging them. Like, right. I don't know what the party relationship will look like at mm-hmm. the end, but mm-hmm. it would seem that you have one sword that's mostly constructed and then like a few that are left that somehow you have mm-hmm. to resolve that either as a storyteller or as a game master, you know, like does the villain get all the pieces together? And then, mm-hmm. you know, do we have to defeat those weapons now without the swords helping us? Because I think, I think thematically that could be interesting because now the villain will have all the pieces together as a, right. as a single thing, right? But it's corrupt. But mm-hmm. the individual people who used to wield these weapons, they're now without the story, but have they learned something as people, right? So I think uh. it would be interesting if now they understand what the swords were teaching them and they have to defeat right this other greater weapon with a mundane weapon. You have to come together mm-hmm. and fight this, this bad guy because they realize all along they had the power to tell these stories right. and they had the power that the stories were revealing. So mercy or courage or whatever. And mm-hmm. so they have to do it themselves, right? And that's mm-hmm. the, really the, the final battle, which would be kind of cool thematically. Yeah, so the blades are teaching them something about themselves the entire mm-hmm. time, right? Like it's it's revealing a truth about the wielder And then once the magic is gone, they realize that they had that power the entire time themselves, Mm -hmm. a reflection of themselves. And the villain never understood that he never learned that. So he has this powerful weapon that's partially corrupt, but he never learned what it can do. And so that's why he's susceptible to being defeated. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, what we can also do as well, right, is that 
the villain himself might not be able to manipulate the swords, but let's say that like when the swords are all gathered together, right? Like there's something that like all of the magic just blinks out. And so the, you know, the heroes are able to beat the shit out of the blacksmith guy because they were reliant on those powers the entire time. Right. Mm. Uh, as another alternative, I was thinking like, what if we just flipped it entirely? Like the blacksmith was doing this so that more people could have a bit of power so that it wasn't consolidated to these few oh. heroes who oh, are sure. able to wield this and like in taking their weapons and like breaking them down and giving them out it like empowers other people to maybe hear these stories a bit even if they're a bit fractured Ooh. and maybe the the heroes come to realize like oh this is actually okay like we don't need to hold the swords it's okay that they get spread around and so that mm. more people can hear from them I love that as an alternative story. Mm -hmm. You can have like two different takes on that, right? So, oh, 100%, like, yeah. If in that case, you would portray the blacksmith, um, if, if it's from that person's perspective, you would you look at the heroes as being these, was it Nuchian Ubermen, like these people that are just like mm -hmm. Ubermenches that are just like, you know, like they're fanatical in a sense, right? So, yeah. it would be the view of the superheroes and the like the postmodern view of the superheroes as being these sort of like oppressors. Who are right. bottling up mm -hmm. all of the power, and the blacksmith is the one shattering the swords and opening the stories up to everyone. Mm -hmm. so that's a cool take. Right. I feel like I feel like if we had rolled a different genre, that's probably where we would go with it for sure. You know, but like I feel like with Golden Age, it's like, nah, you got pretty black and white morality in that case. But like, whatever. I'm 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 I, I love <laughs> the idea. I absolutely love the idea. So yeah, I think it could definitely go whichever way, depending on like what kind of story you want to tell in your setting. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have that twist at the end where it's like, actually, the heroes weren't doing the right thing. Actually, we were the baddies the entire time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Guys, I'm really happy with how this all kind of came out. How about you? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I, I like it. Yeah. I like the imagery that we evoked with Sailor Moon, He-Man, Beef Queen uh, heroes and stuff. Um, I'm entirely here for it, y'all. Plus, we got to talk about Marissa, who is my favorite Street Fighter Six character from the new game. So, yeah, I'm I'm down with that. Anyway, I think we're good to wrap it up here, y'all. Uh, I had a ton of fun with this one. So, Kyle, the gnome waiter, thank you very much for your prompt. And remember, if you want us to build your world like we did with Kyle's here, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build or our brand new YouTube channel where you can go there Click subscribe, likes, and all the other YouTube stuff that you can do. Drive engagement to us or just use it as an alternative way to listen. Of course, if you want to communicate with us more directly, you can go to our Discord where we'll be chatting about world building stuff, beef queens, and other things. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon where you can support the podcast and you'll get access to sweet, sweet patron-only goodies like prompts that go for two episodes instead of one. We've got a patron-only discord we've got patron-only episodes called the aphid lounge where we talk about world building and other stuff in general uh so if you're interested in any of that go to our patreon and give us money there so that's going to do it for this episode of world build with us remember that we love you very much and we're going to get through this together until next week 